I didn't quite catch it there. All right. Good morning, everybody. I'm Pastor Gillespie from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church and School, Sherman Center in Random Lake, Wisconsin. So glad to have you here with us today for our congregation at prayer on this uh, August 20th, 2020. Our catechesis today will uh, be moving into Matthew chapter 23. Again, we're in the, um, the final moments of Matthew's gospel. We're in Holy Week, and we'll hear Jesus declaring woe to the scribes and Pharisees, those whom he had silenced. We begin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. We say together our memory verse for this week. No one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 3. We say the psalm for this week, Psalm 91. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to my Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High, who is my refuge, No evil shall be allowed to befall you, no plague come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder, the young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him, I will protect him, because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Our first reading today is from Isaiah chapter 59. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save, nor his ear heavy, that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he will not hear. 
For your hands are defiled with blood, and your fingers with iniquity. Your lips have spoken lies, your tongue has muttered perversity. No one calls for justice, nor does any plead for truth. They trust in empty words and speak lies. They conceive evil and bring forth iniquity. They hatch viper's eggs and weave the spider's web. He who eats of their eggs dies, and from that which is cursed a viper breaks out. Their webs will not become garments, nor will they cover themselves with their works. Their works are works of iniquity, and the act of violence is in their hands. Their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed innocent blood. Their thoughts are thoughts of iniquity. Wasting and destruction are in their paths. The way of peace they have known, and there is no justice in their ways. They have made themselves crooked paths. Whoever takes that way shall not know peace. There ends the reading. And now our reading for catechesis today, continuation of St. Matthew's Gospel. We're in chapter 23. Then Jesus spoke to the multitudes and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. Therefore, whatever they tell you to observe, that observe and do. But do not do according to their works, for they say and do not do. For they bind heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. But all their works they do to be seen by men. They make their phylacteries broad and enlarge the borders of their garments. They love the best places at feasts, the best seats in synagogues, greetings in marketplaces, and to be called by men, Rabbi, Rabbi. But you do not be called Rabbi, for one is your teacher, the Christ, and you are all brethren. Do not call anyone on earth your father, for one is your father. Who is in heaven. And do not be called teachers, for one is your teacher, the Christ. But he who is greatest among you shall be your servant, and whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men, for you neither go in yourselves nor do you allow those who are entering to go in. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers. Therefore you will receive greater condemnation. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you travel land and sea to win one proselyte, and when he is one you make him twice as much a son of hell as yourselves. Woe to you, blind guides who say, Whoever swears by the temple, it is nothing, but whoever swears by the gold of the temple, he is obliged to perform it. Fools and blind, for which is greater, the gold or the temple that sanctifies the gold. And whoever swears by the altar, it is nothing, but whoever swears by the gift that is on it, he is obliged to perform it. Fools and blind, for which is greater, the gift of or the altar that sanctifies the gift. Therefore, he who swears by the altar swears by it and by all things on it. He who swears by the temple swears by it 
and by him who dwells in it. And he who swears by heaven swears by the throne of God and by him who sits on it. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. Those you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. Blind guides who strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you cleanse the outside of the cup and dish, but the inside, or but inside they are full of extortion and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee first cleanse the inside of the cup and dish, that the outside of them may be clean also. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but inside are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. Even so, you also outwardly appear righteous to men, but inside you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you build the tombs of the prophets and adorn the monuments of the righteous and say, If we had lived in the days of our fathers, we would not have been partakers with them in the blood of the prophets. Therefore, you are witnesses against yourselves that you are the sons of those who murdered the prophets. Fill up then the measure of your father's guilt, serpents, brood of vipers. How can you escape the condemnation of hell? Therefore, indeed, I send you prophets, wise men, and scribes. Some of them you will kill and crucify, and some of them you will scourge in your synagogues and persecute from city to city, that on you may come all the righteous blood shed on earth, from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, the son of Berechiah, whom you murdered between the temple and the altar. Assuredly, I say to you, all these things will come upon this generation. All right, a little bit longer reading than usual. <laughs> uh, so our catechesis might be a little bit longer. I got to keep it brief, though, because I'm meeting with the teachers um, after we're done here. So um, maybe not look up quite as many of the back stories. Just reference them. If you've got the ability to make or take notes, uh, I'd encourage that because I'm going to reference some scripture uh, for you to go look at. All right. So where did the scribes and Pharisees sit? What does Jesus say in verse 2? They sit in Moses' seat. How should the multitudes treat the Pharisees because they sit in Moses' seat, according to Jesus? Verse 3 there. That's right. They should observe the words the Pharisees say and do them, but to not do the works of the Pharisees. Right? So there's the distinction between what, what the Pharisees preach and what they actually do. Right? And that's the definition of hypocrisy. Uh, when had Jesus previously spoken this way? For this, go back and look at Matthew 7, uh, verses 24 to 27, where Jesus gave the parable of the house on the rock, if you remember. He said, the wise man hears his sayings, the sayings of Jesus, and does them, right? Both hearing and doing, not just simply hearing and doing something else. What does Jesus accuse the Pharisees of doing to men? In verse 4, yeah. They bind heavy burdens that are hard to bear upon men's shoulders, while they themselves will not move the burdens with one of their own fingers. Right? So they make laws, but they themselves do not keep them, if you like. Uh, what other words of Jesus might come to mind here that we studied? With burdens on men's shoulders? 
Yeah, Jesus, back in Matthew 11, verse 28 to 30, says, uh, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Right? And now he's saying, who has put that labor and that burden upon people? It's the Pharisees. And why do the Pharisees do what they do? Why do they do these works? Verse 5, yeah, to be seen by men. Then Jesus gives a whole list of examples, of course. Um, they make phylacteries broad and enlarge the borders of their garments. Um, phylacteries being uh, part of the, 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 uh, the garment of the rabbi or the Jew and borders of garments, of course, that's obvious. They love the best places at feasts, right? And the best seats in the synagogue. There's parables about that. They love to be greeted in the marketplace. They love the title rabbi, right? So they do what they do to be seen and to be acknowledged um, and to be important. Why does, the, why does Jesus say that the disciples should not be called rabbi? What do you see there in verse 8? Because one is um, their teacher, and that's Jesus, right? And they are all to be called brothers, which is what you see with the apostles. They refer to one another as brothers. Oh, excuse me. That mm, went way down. <laughs> Sorry about that. There we are. Uh, why are they not to call anyone on earth father? And that by this spiritual father is what he means. Yeah, because we have one father who is in heaven. What is stressed again in verse 10? Yeah, one teacher, just like he said in verse 8, um, and that teacher is Christ. Who is the greatest then among the disciples? He said this many times. Here it is again in verse 11. Yeah, the one who humbles himself. When is this shown to be true in particular? Yeah, Jesus himself uh, is the greatest among, because he comes as the servant, right? He offers himself into death to serve all men, and his father exalts him in in his resurrection and ascension. Now, what key phrase do you hear repeated (laughs) over and over throughout this this reading, uh, right there in verse 13. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, right? Now, we've talked about what a hypocrite is, uh, but now this is a, a woe to you. What are, what, where can you find a similar uh, kind of list of woes? This isn't unheard of in the scriptures. This is actually prophetic language, all right? And the example um, that you should go look at is Isaiah chapter 5, and again, we're not going to read it today, but verses 8 through 30. So go look at Isaiah 5, 8 through 30, and there you'll see Isaiah pronouncing, uh, woe unto those who are leading Judah into sin and captivity, much like these Pharisees are for Israel. Uh, There, in the context uh, in Isaiah 5, I think it's also helpful to note that it occurs after a parable by Isaiah of the vineyard. Now, Matthew is placing these words after the parable of the tenants of the vineyard. All right, so we, there's a strong parallel between Isaiah and Matthew here. What's the warning then in verse 30, 13, I should say? Yeah, they shut up the kingdom against men. And why do they do this? Yeah, they neither went in um, nor allowed anyone else to go in. Where is the proper key to open and close the door? For this, you can look at Matthew 16, verse 19, also Matthew 25, 10. Uh, It's what we put under the, uh, in our catechism, the 
doctrine of the office of the keys, right? The forgiveness of sins is what frees men from the burden. Uh, so now the second woe is in verse 14. What woe is that? Yeah, the Pharisees devour widows' houses and make long prayers for pretense. Just for a show, I guess, is a good way to put that. Therefore, they'll receive the greater condemnation. Um, devouring widows' houses, meaning just taking all their wealth into the treasury of the temple. Uh, what's the third woe? Verse 15. <laughs> woe after woe here. Yeah, they go around trying to win a proselyte that's a, a convert to Judaism, and then they make him twice as much a son of hell as they themselves by, again, giving them uh, this hypocrisy. What do you see? That there's a difference, though, between that fourth woe in verse 15 and the third woe in verse 14. Yeah, in that, in that fourth woe, Oh, no, excuse me. Then we get a fourth woe. The fourth woe is in verse 16, and he changes here. Ah, that's it, yeah. Right, because in 15, the third woe, it's scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites. In 16, it's blind guides. Right, you know, the, the change there, instead of using that other term. Uh, when was that language of blind guys, guides used previously? For this, look at Matthew 15, verse 14. Um, in the discussion where he points out the need to cleanse the heart and not the outside, very similar to what he's saying here. The fourth woe being, there in verse 16, whoever swears by the temple, it's nothing, but whoever swears by the gold of the temple, they're obliged to perform it, right? So if there's money attached, now, it, now it's important, but if, if it's just faith, it's irrelevant in the Pharisee's mind. Why are they fools? Jesus says, because they can't distinguish, 17, the temple and the gold. And it's, of course, the temple that sanctifies the gold, makes it holy. Why is this, of course? Because God himself is in the temple, according to the word of promise to Solomon. Right? Of course, there's a second part to that woe, verse 18. Yeah, this has to do with the altar, right? Whoever swears by the altar, um, it is nothing. But whoever swears by the gift on the altar, they are obliged again to perform it. Why were the Pharisees then fools? Again, just like with the uh, temple, now with the altar, they didn't discern the altar of sacrifice. Um, actually, then includes everything upon it, right? So uh, to reverence the altar also is to reverence then what is upon the altar. Now, um, you note what Jesus says here in verse 21 and 22. He who swears by the temple swears by it, and him who dwells in it. That's the important addition here. He who swears by heaven swears by the throne of God and by him who sits on it. All right. So Jesus, when he's referring to the temple and the altar, and this is the same for the Christian church, for our Christian sanctuaries, I should say, um, places that have been set apart to hear God's word and receive his gifts, that he's joining together uh, the presence of God, both on earth and in heaven, in these places where he's promised to be. You'll see a, a, a similar kind of discussion about swearing before the altar back in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, uh, 33 to 37. So maybe go look at that if you're able.
And again, you can always pause, go back, get the citation, go look it up if you like. All right, now the fifth woe is there in verse 23. Yeah, this has to do with the tithing. So they pay the tithe, um, but they ignore the weightier matters of the law. So they think that by tithing, they've satisfied the law rather than having justice, mercy, and faith. So what does he call them again? Here we have both woe to scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites, and also in verse 24, blind guides, right? Who strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. It's kind of, to miss the boat, so to speak. <laughs> Not, yeah, be majoring in the minors would be another way we could say that. What's the significance of swallowing a camel? Look at Leviticus 11, right? It's a prohibition. Um, Camels are among the unclean animals. The Jews did not use camels. So there you go. Uh, And camels, of course, were mentioned previously. We heard this back in Matthew 19.4 about how uh, unclean men can only be brought to faith uh, through the gift of the Father, right? It'd be easier for a rich man to pass through, for a camel to pass through an eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter heaven. Yeah. So you can go look at that, Matthew 19. All right, now the sixth woe has to do with the cup and the dish, right? So they're clean on the outside, but inside they're full of extortion and self-indulgence. So what does the blind Pharisee need to do? Yeah, clean the inside. Um, Again, this is similar to a discussion he's previously had with the Pharisees. So as harsh as all this is all put together, these are all things that he's been teaching, right? It's just all concentrated now in one, in one discourse. Back in Matthew 15, you can see this. Matthew 15, 1 through 20. About the need to cleanse the heart. It's not what goes into the mouth that defiles a man, but what comes out, remember? All right, and now another woe. Uh, we'll call this the seventh woe. Yeah, this has to do with the whitewashed tombs that are outwardly beautiful, but are full of dead men's bones and uncleanness. How does Jesus explain this one? What does he mean? Verse 28. Yeah, outwardly they appear righteous to men, but inside they're full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Deadness. Dead to, dead of, deadness of faith. Um, and now, another woe, verse 29. Yeah, this would be the eighth one. They build tombs to the prophets, adorn the monuments of the righteous, but they say they would not have taken the blood of the prophets. So they lie, in other words. What does Jesus say is really true? Yeah, as he's been saying, you are sons of your fathers and fill up the measure of your father's guilt. That is, recognize that you're just as full of their guilt. You're just as responsible. And of course, this will play out um, in his crucifixion in just a day or two. Why does he, or what does he call them in verse 33? Yeah, serpents, brood of vipers. And we've seen this before. We've heard this before, haven't we? Way back in Matthew 3, verse 7, right? When the Pharisees came out to John the Baptist, right? Um, But then it happened again in Matthew 12, verse 34, when the Pharisees accused Jesus of driving out demons by the ruler of demons. And then Jesus repeats that message of John, you brood of vipers. What does Jesus promise um, to do? 
which is very interesting here. Verse 34, I send you prophets, wise men, and scribes. And who will these be? Yeah, Matthew 28, verse 19. We'll see it right at the end. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all things I've commanded you. This is referring to the apostles and then preachers of the gospel. And what would the Pharisees do to these men? Just read the book of Acts, of course. Yeah, they'll kill and crucify some of them. They'll scourge them in the synagogues and they'll persecute them, driving them from city to city. Of course, all the while, the gospel being preached and men and women, children coming to faith. To what will this then lead? See this in verse 35. Yeah, they will be guilty of all the righteous blood shed on the earth, from Abel to the blood of Zechariah, the son of Berechiah, whom they murdered between the temple and the altar. Now, you might not know that story, the story of Zechariah. Um, If you're taking notes, you want to go look at 2 Chronicles 24, verses 17 to 25 for this. 2 Chronicles 24, 17 to 25. Um, God raised up Zechariah to call Judah to repentance. And he said that, and Zechariah said that the Lord had forsaken them as they had forsaken him. At the death of Zechariah, um, at, at his death, Zechariah said, the Lord look on it and repay. And then Syria then executed judgment against Joash and Judah as a result. So what does Jesus tell them that will surely happen? Verse 36. Yeah, all these woes and punishment for persecuting the prophets will come on this generation. It's a very particular um, woe. It's to those Jews, those Pharisees and scribes and elders. Of course, there's eight woes. Maybe in Matthew's gospel, we've actually had eight before, um, but they were blessings, not woes. Yeah, it was back in the Beatitudes, right? Blessed um, are the peacemakers, blessed, yeah, et cetera. Right, so they're, the, they're being set now in contrast um, to, who, of, to the Christians, those who are in Christ. All right, brief meditation here. Like Isaiah the prophet condemning the unbelief of Judah, Jesus condemns condemns these blind teachers who have urged the people to carry the full burden of the law and have given them no rest. These woes came to their fulfillment in the destruction of Jerusalem and the uh, perpetuation of the false teachings of the Pharisees among modern Judaism. The woes still stand as a warning to the church. There are still those who desire to turn Jesus into a new Moses, who places a burden of new laws of behavior that supposedly mark a true Christian. The church is called instead to offer the rest found in the forgiveness of sins won by Christ, who is our teacher. He declares that in his death, resurrection, and ascension, those who live by faith will be exalted to the Father with him. Though he did not abolish the law, he has fulfilled the law for us. All right, let's confess the creed. Uh, Third article, explanation. What does this mean? I believe that I cannot by my own reason or strength believe in Jesus Christ my Lord or come to him, but the Holy Spirit has called me by the gospel, enlightened me with his gifts, sanctified and kept me in the true faith. In the same way he calls, gathers, enlightens, and sanctifies the whole Christian church on earth and keeps it with Jesus Christ in the one true faith. In this Christian church he daily and richly forgives all my sins and the sins of all believers. 
On the last day, he will raise me and all the dead and give eternal life to me and all believers in Christ. This is most certainly true. All right, we're going to abbreviate here a little bit, given the length of our catechesis. Um, today, let us pray for the church and her pastors, for missionaries, teachers, deaconesses, and other servants of Christ in his church, uh, for the teachers of St. John Evangelical Lutheran um, Church and School here, uh, that they be well prepared uh, to instruct our children as they return, for the fruitful and salutary use of the Blessed Sacrament of the Lord's Body and Blood. We pray today um, for Thanksgiving, actually, for those celebrating their anniversary today, Dale and Anne. We pray that the Lord grant healing and recovering according to his will or a blessed end, if that be his will, for Marcella, Jan, Bertus, Ron, David, Carol, Brad, and Janet, Carol, Pastor Lindau, Sandy, Linda, Joan, and Ken, Aaron, Roger, Jean, and Steve. We pray the Lord comfort the family of Fred Wilk, that he also visit and relieve those who are isolated, Bev, David, Willis and Janice, and Mickey, that he bless the work of our mercy and missionary agencies of the Synod and our church, LCMS World Relief and Human Care, and the Federowitz family. For all this, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Pray the collect. O God, you declare your almighty power above all in showing mercy and pity. Mercifully grant us such a measure of your grace that we may obtain your gracious promises and be made partakers of your heavenly treasures. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Today is also the commemoration of Samuel. Briefly here, just a little bit on Samuel. Is the last of the Old Testament judges and the first of the prophets after Moses. He lived during the 11th century BC. He was the child of Elkanah and his wife Hannah. Samuel was from early on consecrated by his parents for sacred service and trained in the house of the Lord at Shiloh by Eli the priest. Samuel's authority as a prophet was established by God, 1 Samuel 3. He anointed Saul to be Israel's first king, 1 Samuel 10. Later, as a result of Saul's disobedience to God, Samuel repudiated Saul's leadership and then anointed David to be king in the place of Saul, 1 Samuel 16. Samuel's loyalty to God, his spiritual insight, and his ability to inspire others made him one of Israel's great leaders. We pray. Almighty God, in your mercy, you gave Samuel courage to call Israel to repentance and to renew their dedication to the Lord. Call us to repentance as Nathan called David to repentance, so by the blood of Jesus, the Son of David, we may receive the forgiveness of all our sins. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us, and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. I thank you, my heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger. And I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my doings in life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul, and all things. 
Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Normally we'd sing our hymn, The Church is One Foundation, uh, but due to my time constraint today, uh, the length of our catechesis, we're going to omit the hymn. Feel free to sing that uh, from whatever hymnal you have. Go about your work today. And uh, God bless you and all that you do and that he gives you to do on this day. If you haven't had a chance already um, to watch last evening's Bible study from 1 Corinthians 14, I meant to get into 15, but uh, I think the topic at the end of 14 on uh, women's role in the church is enough of a contentious one that it was worth doing kind of a deep dive there and providing you both um, some helpful catechesis from our Lord, but also maybe some direction as you think about that or interact with others. Um, So go back and watch that. If you have questions, just post it in the comments, either on Facebook or YouTube. All right. Lord be with you all, and we'll see you again tomorrow.